0: Hey Jeff, it's good to be back.
1: Hey Derry, I'm excited to be here for our newest episode. Today we're joined by our good friend from college, Claire Pan. Claire, do you wanna take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us about what it is you do?
2: Yeah, thanks Jeff and Derry for having me. Um, I'm Claire, I went to Cornell with both of them and studied applied economics management there. Started out as a analyst at Insight Partners kind of in September. So working in growth equity, supporting portfolio companies and working on investments. Um, and one of the big things about me is really big on finding ways to equalize access to professional opportunities. Over the summer, started a free virtual entrepreneurship bootcamp for people who had lost internships during COVID. And venture is one of those spaces where it's really hard to get in you don't know anyone. So that's been one of my big missions since starting.
0: That's awesome. So as part of your impetus for starting this program, is it from firsthand experience of, I guess, you know, the difficulties and lack of opportunities that you know, certain groups have in the industry that made you want to do this? Or you know, what was the reasoning?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it is a lot of times I feel like when people got to college, some people already knew a lot about what they wanted to do. And that's because of what they were exposed to from their parents, from their community, things like that. And then other people were kind of a little bit more lost didn't know where to get started didn't have the right network and so even if you did know what you wanted to do no real clear path to getting there you now for me i had no idea what venture capital was when i first got to cornell um and i had met people who kind of had known since the age of 10 that they were going to do this which was really bizarre to me um accidentally joined a venture club and kind of got exposed that way and think that you know a lot of things really fell in line for me, and I was really lucky, but I wanted people at other colleges, at other schools, you know, from all around the country and the world, really, to have the same opportunities that I did, and I think the first part is just getting people the information and education around it so that they could start doing the work and actually know what uh, what other options are out there for them.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, at least I know that when I was growing up, I knew what I didn't want to do because my parents' jobs seemed really boring, but You know, it's exciting that after we got to college, we all kind of figured out what we wanted to do. Um, So I'm curious, you know, you briefly mentioned that it's hard to get into the venture industry without, you know, the connections and the knowledge and everything like that. You know, what what does that look like?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, venture is a weird space Whereas in banking or consulting, where most business majors kind of start their careers, at least there's a very structured path. There's things that you do. You know, this is how you do a case interview. This is how you do a DCF. And there's really classes that you can take in college that will lead you to that path. Versus venture is a really weird world. Part of it is just networking and knowing startups, knowing founders, you know, being part of that tech community, like. Sometimes your job can even be just going to events and meeting people, which doesn't really feel like a job. And the other part of it is just figuring out which companies you want to invest in. And that looks different at every firm. There's no formula for it. A lot of times there isn't numbers or revenue that you can crunch. And it's a lot of intuition, which makes it a lot more of a apprenticeship business, as most people say. And, you know, to be an apprentice, you need someone that is willing to invest in your success. And I think that can be kind of hard when you don't you know, really have the right people or right network.
0: Right. And, you know, I know venture capital tends to be bundled with this tech scene, this progressive West Coast tech scene that touts a lot of diversity. But do you think under the hood, there's still a lot of barriers to entry um, to get true diversity in the field? And what do you think those barriers are?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, some of the macro events of what has been happening in the world has shifted people's thinking a little bit. And there's a little bit more focus on underrepresented founders, upper represented emerging managers who are actually running their own funds. Um, but I think we're still very, very new in this process. You know, it's not enough to just you know, give a subset of people a little bit of money and hope they do really well. And even the people that do end up getting funded tend to have gone to like the best schools, have the best resources. And so the way that we're thinking about distributing funds, I don't think is still a perfect science yet. I'm glad that there's more attention on it and there's actual math and science being done to show that one, the underrepresented founders actually bring outsized returns and two, there's actually a lot of them raising money out there. And so a lot of the old theories that you know at the growth stage, we have a pipeline problem because there are no founders make it to the growth stage and you know, then becomes not really your problem. I think a lot of those theories that people used to use to kind of defend themselves, about their lack of diversity is starting to fall apart and people are starting to realize that there is a lot that you can do at any stage to be supporting the community of founders out there. But, you know, the people out there, still a very, very small percentage of the population who are really making it work and getting the opportunities that they deserve.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, You know, maybe this is a bit of a loaded question then, but you know, what comes next,
0: right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wish I had the crystal ball to tell you, Jeff, but I think a lot of it is, you know, most importantly, getting funding to the people that do represent diverse communities, diverse consumers that we traditionally haven't focused on. And I think the second part is then making sure that they succeed, right? Getting them the resources that they deserve, getting them the support. You know, founders don't just succeed because they have a lot of capital, they have the right investors who will provide them strategic advice. They have the right team, the right networks to recruit good talent. And so I think there's a lot more to be done in terms of making sure that our diverse founders and diverse managers actually do well and can make a path for other people.
0: Yeah, so I guess flipping the question from diversity of founders to diversity within the venture capital industry itself, do you think there's more work to be done there as well in terms of the makeup of these venture capital firms and makeup of uh, analysts things like that
2: yeah i think something that i think about a lot is you know if you have a founder who's building for a diverse community that isn't reflected by kind of the investors (laughs) at a venture firm like a lot of times they don't understand your product or what you're building for and they kind of just write it off as you know i don't see the returns here it doesn't really align with my interests and you know, as fair as that is of an argument to make, you know, investors have a lot of responsibility to their LPs as well. I think it blocks off a lot of people from getting venture funding and getting the resources that they need. And so there's definitely a disconnect there. I think that's why it's so important that we have more emerging fund managers who are actually part of these communities, who understand these consumers, who understand the trends that these founders are building for. I think a really good example is... Mac at Rare Breed, he's starting a first fund for pre-seed founders, you No, know, has a really great Twitter f- uh, following. And you know, his story is a bit unique. He doesn't come from a lot of these, like, traditional paths that a lot of the other investors that you might see in the community come from. But he really understands, you know, what he's building towards, what his founders are building towards. People talk about him as being one of the most value-add investors, and I think there's just more room for people like that to really bring value
1: uh there's you know there's something I'm a little bit curious about uh probably because i you know work in the tech industry, but I'm curious what the 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 work culture you know and venture is like you know what are <laughs> yeah what what is that like
2: yeah, and I think it really differs no. I've spent time at an early stage firm, now I'm at a growth stage firm. um, And it's really different, just similar to like a startup would be different at the pre-seed stage versus like the Series C or like pre-IPO phase. And so not really, you know, one answer to fit that all. I'd say that, you know, at the venture stage, life is very unstructured. And when you're a junior person, your job is to go help find deals, help source deals, help diligence them, you know, whatever it takes to really Help your firm win. Um, I've had the opportunity to work at one of the bigger women-led funds um, for early stage VC. And I think the way that people have been treating, you know, who should be on their cap table and who's going to add value in different ways is really changing as well. Kind of, you know, people are actively looking for female investors who can provide a differentiated perspective. And people are looking for people from other communities that can bring something a little bit different. And with the amount of capital that's available in the ecosystem now, I think it's going to be more and more important for investors to be able to bring something different to the table and things like this will become more important.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I do feel like there's a trend of just VC being flush with money right now. Like, Where where does that come from? Is it just a renewed you know, source of capital, like, why why is there so much money going around in, in VC these days?
2: Yeah, I mean, we definitely see it a lot um, at the growth level where companies are raising at you know, just crazy valuations and things that we never would have done in a year's time. And a lot of things have changed in a lot of the ways that people think about valuation has kind of changed as well. I think there's just a lot more attention on the venture space and a lot more capital in the ecosystem, more LPs that wanna put in money at the early stage, at the growth stage, you know, kind of with the idea that there are a lot of outsized returns to be made in tech investing, which has historically been true. You know, I don't know if the ecosystem can kind of support this many people and this much capital, but that's kind of an, um, an answer that we won't know until like five or 10 years down the line. As we kind of see where the results get us
0: yeah uh, this is kind of a spicy question but I, I think some criticism people have of the vc industry and i think tech industry in general is that sometimes the culture can be somewhat insular or you know it, 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 people somewhat live in a bubble uh, in terms of how they view the world how they view america do you think there's that image issue in VC from your personal experience? And is that something that should be addressed or is it more overblown by the media than what it really is?
2: Yeah, I definitely think it is an issue, you know, like any type of environment, you kind of are surrounded by people who are similar to you, whether it's background, whether it's kind of status and, you know, where you are in life. And so people tend to have a lot of the same opinions, especially venture firms are, made up of a very small groups, like you can have a venture firm with literally one person or two people teams. And, you know, for that to work, there's obviously some level of similarity that connects you. So I do think that a lot of times VCs tend to think very much alike. You can see lots of companies getting, you know, a whole bunch of term sheets and it's kind of concentrated within the same companies. And so, you know, I do think that the media is right that investors are always not, not always ref- representative of the founders and then founders are not always representative of the consumers out there. And now one thing that I always think about is there's so much risk in becoming a founder that not everyone has the luxury of being a founder for multiple reasons. So as far as much progress as we're making, you know, there's obviously a lot more to be done.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your experiences. You know, just uh, anecdotally, uh, I work at a, a pretty early stage startup right now where the founder talks about how, you know, he started his first company. And a lot of it was just because uh, his, his, his dad was an entrepreneur and he said, this is just like, you know, I knew what I wanted to do already. And then, you know, once he had a few successful companies, you know, then he was able to raise you know millions of dollars for his, his company. So uh, you can definitely see that, you know, some people just like had a little bit more opportunity there than, uh, than others.
2: Yeah, totally. I think there's people who, you know, if you're going to leave your job, and go and build something like that can be crazy. And not everyone has the cushion or the, the support for their family and things like that to actually make that happen. I mean, one thing I think about a lot is this whole like Jeff Mackenzie Basil's debate. And, you know, without Mackenzie Bezos, like could he have gone off and, you know, quit his job and go started Amazon, which was not like a short success. It took a lot of time to make that happen. And he had a family and she was both working and taking care so, you know, Being a founder, even if you're a sole founder or whatever it might be, there's a lot of things happening in the background that have to fit together for you to even have the luxury of considering starting a company.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, Jeff Bezos' side too, You know, I think a lot of these large company founders like Bill Gates, I'm pretty sure he was pretty privileged from a family perspective. I, I guess it's hard to find examples where someone really came from the bottom up and started like a huge successful company just because of the lack of opportunities they had right
2: yeah and one story that i know of um and i won't name names here but have been anecdotally told about you know a woman who had this really great idea in terms of you know building something that could dry you know wigs and different weaves and things like that Um, but there weren't investors out there who really understood that idea even though she had like done this prototype and it was really know just a great product um and people didn't understand how big this market was right because it it wasn't something that they used on a day-to-day basis wasn't something that their friends talked about just nothing that they had any knowledge of and so the way that she actually raised funding was becoming a surrogate and giving birth literally to get enough money to get her product off the door and so for people who kind of live in the silicon valley miami like ecosystem like that's a crazy thing but for other people that's the type of like crazy you need to actually go out and pursue ideas that you have.
0: So I, I actually, um, I actually have a question around, I guess on a more lighter topic, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I read like a few months ago that this one TikTok star who's like 19 years old, um, recently joined a venture capital firm. And when I read that, I was like, so confused. It was like, you know, he, I'm not sure he's in college or not, but I just, I don't think he would have any true venture capital or financial experience. So in your eyes, do you think when a venture capital firm does that, is it more of like a PR move? Like it's like good marketing for them to have that guy on the board, or is it like legitimately they want his experiences around maybe Gen Z marketing or just, you know, his his thoughts in that regard?
2: Yeah, I know there's been a couple of instances where startups or VCs have kind of partnered with emerging talent, whether it be TikTok stars or otherwise, kind of in that Gen Z pool. And that's definitely something that's gotten a lot more traction. I think a lot of it is that the way that people consume media and products is a little bit different than what it used to be. And so, you know, there's this whole influencer economy, creator economy, where actually a lot of people who are young, you know, their dream is to become a creator and influencer. They don't want to work a corporate job and they want to create things for other people. And the way that we, like purchase things now, is a lot more influencer based and recommendation based versus, you know, reading ads and media. And so I think VCs are really just tapping into the fact that there's new channels for acquiring people that didn't exist before. And you know when you think about something like, you know, David's Disposables, for example, you know, David Dobrik, you know, has had a huge following and he put out this app, which is really similar to a bunch of different apps out there, but because it was like something that he did, you know, this app was already significantly more successful than anything else out there, despite, you know, whatever it was on a product level and things like that. So, yeah.
0: No, that makes sense. I I, I think today's economy is very much like a, I guess, creator or character based economy, right? It's like, you're you're right. Like if like David is already famous and anything he turns out is going to be very popular too so I, I i get that like if there's like a popular tiktok star on your board then investments in that area might just work out better
2: right you can't even pay for the type of attention that you know these big tiktok stars can get just by posting a single video
1: do you think a tiktok star could cancel a VC firm <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think BC firms have to be more careful about the type of talent that they partner and back with, especially, you know, given a lot of the anecdotal things that have happened recently, you know, especially with something like disposables, right? And so I think there needs to be a little bit more diligence on who they work with and kind of their historical, you know, record when it comes to things like d
0: yeah so do you think anyone would have worked with like logan paul in the past I, i'm just i'm just thinking from the fallout if <laughs> you know before his like japan scandal and all that i don't know if you know about that but i, I was just thinking you're, you're totally right like that's a pr nightmare
2: yeah 100 i think it's so hard a lot of these creators you know started making videos when they're really young were very aware of the world and weren't very educated, but these are things that, you know, they need to take responsibility for, especially when they step onto a bigger platform and there's you know, institutional money where, that's actually where VCs get their, their funds and things like that. And there's a lot more accountability that needs to be had. So, you know, people like Logan Paul or David Dobrik, you know obviously have a very controversial histories that, I think VC firms need to be a little bit careful about before they start backing things or working directly with them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so I know we don't have that much time left, but I wanted to shift gears a little bit and just ask real quick, um, if you could share any insights on how, uh, how some of our you know, college listeners or, you know, younger listeners might, you know, if they're interested in the industry, like any tips of like how to get started.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing is here, I think doing things is always better and more useful when it comes to VC than just straight networking. I think you have to start finding ways that you can be valuable and, you know, actually provide help versus just asking people for time on their calendars. And there's so many ways to do it, especially as a college student. You know, there's so much talent when it comes to college campuses now. You can actually go and found your own startup, which is easier than ever. There are so many programs that will help you with it you know, you can go and remotely work for a startup now, especially, you know, in the post-COVID world, remote internships have become infinitely more popular. So if you went to some a school in Ithaca, for example, you could still work for a great startup, you know, not in Ithaca. Um, and there's other ways, you know, you can get involved. You could go and start reporting on tech companies, you know, through a channel like TechCrunch and just lots of different ways to get your hands dirty, right? I mean, there's no secret to being a a founder you have to be good at sales you have to be good at product you have to be good at marketing or at least aware of everything so the more exposure that you can get and the more opportunities that you can find to build your skill set i think the better off prepared you'll be um when it comes to actually trying to be an investor
0: and lastly would you have any inspiring words for any 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 people out there that want to be in this industry whether as a founder or as an investor but are afraid to do so
2: yeah, for sure. I think like what we we're talking about earlier, there's definitely a lot more progress to be made. But I think that you know there's more attention focused on this now than ever. And I think today's emerging managers in five to 10 years will be your next, you know, Midas list investors, and there will be a lot more support and a lot more representation. So I'd say that, you know, it's very easy to follow a path and kind of do what everyone else has done. But I think it's incredibly more special to find your own path and bring in a different perspective. And so you know, no matter where you are today, you know where you want to go, what your next steps look like, I think there's always a room for someone with a differentiated perspective um, to kind of bring value.
0: Wow.
1: Inspirational indeed.
0: Well, Claire, thanks for joining us today. Um, I think we learned a lot about both the venture capital industry, your thoughts on diversity in there. And also, about your thoughts on TikTok stars. Um, enjoyable conversation, <laughs> and thanks, thanks for, thanks for being with us.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.